You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a Wealth Cap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Here are your hosts, Chris Evans and Taylor Welch. Bud, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, why don't you tell everybody that's that's watching um, your name, the name of your business, and um, you know where where you are. Okay. Hi, my name is Bud Usry. I'm with Real Property Management. Um, we're here in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we've been open for almost a year now. Right on. And you are our preferred property management partner in the Birmingham market. Uh, we're really excited to be working with you. Um, some people know this, some people don't. We have been through a couple property managers in some of our different markets. So uh, we're really excited to be working with Bud. It's been amazing so far. So one, a couple things that I wanted to go over today are just a little bit about like, what is the process like for you as a property manager um, getting one of our properties rented? Kind of like walk everybody through through the steps of what goes into that. So we have a house that's ready to get a tenant placed. Um, what are all of the steps that you go through to get that property rented out? Okay, so once a, once a house is ready, and I must say I really enjoy working with you guys because y'all go over your houses with a fine tooth comb. So, you know, the electrical's been looked at, the AC's been looked at, things have been painted, cleaned. The houses are in terrific shape when they come to me. So the first thing, once a house comes to me, I'm looking to get some pictures. Uh, we have a professional photographer that takes those pictures and they always look really good. Uh, so I take the pictures. Uh, I'll come out to the house and do an inspection, just look around, make sure that I uh, know the property well. Uh, then I'll come back, take the pictures, uh, type up a description of the property, uh, add the pictures, uh, and then start marketing. Uh, we've been, we've been lucky so far. I, I think, you know, it's taken just a couple of weeks each, each property to get them rented and find a qualified, you know, tenant for it. But once we move into the, uh, tenant segment, you know, I'm old fashioned. I, I don't want somebody going to a property by themselves and doing a, a showing on their own. I want to be there. I want to walk them around. I want to tell them about the features and the benefits of each property. Uh, and I'll, I'm also using that time to get the feel for that, you know, prospective resident. I, I want to know how they are. You know, after you've lived a number of years, you, you have a gut feeling on people. And uh, in my previous life, I was a district manager for uh, Express Oil Change or Haviland Express Lube. I was with both of those chains. Uh, and we would have customers uh, and, and we dealt with customers a lot. And I just developed a kind of a a, a feel for customers and usually whatever my feel is be it bad or good um, I, I tend to go with it so when I'm at a property uh, I have a great time meeting people I don't meet strangers I enjoy talking with them but at the same time I'm sitting there getting a feel for them and do I think they'd make a good tenant because uh, you know when we invite somebody to to rent one of our properties um, you know, we're inviting them into our world and we want to make sure that we've got somebody that's going to pay the rent on time uh, and they're going to take good care of that property. Um, once again, once uh, we've met everybody, then we'll invite those folks that we feel really good about to go online and apply if they're interested in the property. 
Uh, once they apply, then we are going to really look at them carefully. We check their credit score. We check their criminal history. We check their uh, rental history. We check their, um, we verify their income. We verify their employer. We, we have a long checklist that we go through. Now, typically, property managers nationally have a, an eviction rate of 3%. Uh, at Real Property Management, we, our national average is less than 1%. So we feel like we do a pretty good job with our proprietary uh, system where we really vet a tenant well, and mm -hmm. we make sure they're going to be a good fit for our properties. That's, that's awesome. This is one of the questions that comes up all the time when I'm doing consultations with investors who are thinking about picking up one of our houses. It, you know, it's a concern if they live in another state, like, how do I know who's moving into my house? How do I know that they're gonna that they're gonna pay the rent? Um, and it's really important to have the right property manager in that market if you're, you know, if you're owning a house from a distance to make sure that only qualified applicants are gonna get to move in. So uh, thank you so much for explaining like some of the steps that go that go into it. So let's say you meet somebody and you've got a good feel and um, they fill out the application and you approve it. What are, what are the next steps like getting the tenant moved in? What do you do? Um, and what responsibility, if any, would fall like on the owner of the property? The owner of the property has really no responsibility at that point. Um, once they're approved and, and they want to go forward with, with renting the property, then we're talking about, you know, what date can you move in? Uh, every once in a while, a tenant will say, well, you know, I was really thinking about moving in a month or six weeks from now. And, and when that happens, we have to say, you know, ma'am or sir, I, we appreciate that, but we can only hold this property for 10 days. We have other people that are interested in it and they're going to apply. And so if, if six weeks is something you want to do, then that, that's fine, but it won't be with this property, unfortunately. Uh, and that usually gets them uh, to, to come back. But once they have been approved and we set on a settle on a date that they're going to move in. Then we're looking for a couple of things. We're looking for their first month's rent and we're looking for their security deposit, which is equal to their first month's rent. So we're looking for two checks for whatever amount that is, whether it's thousand dollars each or $1,500 each, whatever that is, that's what we're looking for. Once they put those checks in my hand, then I will give them the keys uh, and let them go ahead and move in. We've already done an evaluation of the property, so we know that the property is in good shape. Uh, but I'll say this, you know, there's, it doesn't matter how hard you inspect a property, there's going to be some light switch, there's going to be some little minor something that is not quite to the tenant's liking. And so we try to, you know, send our handyman or one of our subs out there as quickly as we can. Once the tenant's in there, they're going to find two or three little things that, that are bothering them. And we want them to get off on the right foot. So we'll go out, we'll send our handyman out there to get that plug to work or to get that light switch to work or whatever that is, because we want them to start off on the right foot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know like sometimes you go to check out our properties or our property managers in the other markets. After we're done with the rehab, we'll send you guys out to do a walkthrough and you might catch something that we need to take care of. And we'll go ahead and take care of that before you even, you know, start showing it if we can. Um, 
but yeah, I, I love that you guys are really thorough about making sure if there's anything that needs to be taken care of at move in that we're doing right by the tenant. And that's whether it's our property or if it, if it belongs to one of our investors. So the tenants moved in, they found a light switch or something that, that isn't quite working properly. We get that taken care of. Uh, now going on to like month two through whatever the, the remainder of their lease, um, what are the kind of the day-to-day -day functions of you, the property manager, and what does it look like on the other end for the investor, for the owner of the property? So the reason you have a property manager is we're the point of contact with the, with the resident. Mm -hmm. uh, if the resident needs something uh, with our software platform that we use to manage, you know, our properties, uh, the tenant can go in there and send a, a text or an email saying, Hey, I, I need something to be seen about. Can you send somebody to take care of that? And we can leap into action. But typically once we go through that first month and, and I call it the shakedown cruise, we've kind of, shaking the property down, everything's working right, all the, all the light switches are good, everything's in its place. Once that's done, then you kind of settle into the day-to-day, -day, which is, you know, everything's working correctly, so the tenant's happy, uh, and we're just going through the month. Now, when we, typically for us, uh, rent is due on the 1st, it's late on the 5th. Um, then we have time to process all the payments, we typically pay our owners uh, on the 10th of the month and they'll typically receive that in their bank account on the 12th of the month. So that's kind of the, the ebb and flow of how the money works. And once again, we're the, we're the conduit between the, the resident and the owner of the property and the owner, you know, hopefully if all's going well, they're just getting a check, you know, coming into their bank account and they don't have to talk to anybody and we're doing all the talking for them. Right on. That's what people ask me that all the time. Like, I don't want somebody calling me in the middle of the night because their toilet is broken. Um, and we don't, I don't want that phone call either. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking that phone call. Um, I think I've told you that in the, in the past, I used to own a property management company. Um, and I've been the person who, you know, who fields all of those calls. I didn't do it as sophisticated as, as you are. Um, I gave everybody my cell phone number, <laughs> which was a huge mistake, but I learned, I learned a lot of things the hard way. And it gives so much peace of mind knowing that there is for me, at least, you know, an intermediary between me and the tenant so that when those things, cause those things are going to happen, like mm -hmm. stuff is going to break. It's a house, you mm -hmm. know, that there's somebody in between who's going to take care of those things. Um, so what about in a not perfect situation? Because these are important questions that people ask too. What about when a tenant isn't paying rent or when something major breaks? Like what, what happens then? What, what do you do to help protect the investor and take care of the, of the resident at the same time if it's a, you know, a big repair or if you end up with a problem tenant? So we'll take the repair first. So if there's um, an issue like one of the things that, that I don't like as a property manager is a sewer backup, because if a sewer backs up, then you have raw sewage getting into a house and it's, 
you know, bacterial and viruses and all that kind of stuff. We had this happen. We had a, had a, uh, a tenant at a house that the, the sewer backed up into the basement. Well, not only did it flood the basement, it shot the furnace. It, it, it shorted it out. So we had to uh, call a plumber out to, to, to run the lines and clean it out. Then we had to call out a remediation company to come and clean up the area to make it, you know, sanitized and clean. And then we had to call out the AC company to refix the furnace. So $5,000 later, the property is fixed. So with me, I'm, I'm a big believer in an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. Totally. Um, and I think that running sewer lines is very important because it's a couple of hundred bucks as opposed to 5,000 bucks. Um, there's also a, a correlation between the age of the property that, you know, if you have a relatively new property, there's very little that needs to be fixed. If you have a house that was built in 1920, I can assure you that we are going to be fixing things on a regular basis. So I think a lot of times as a property manager, it's important to, you know, talk with the owner of the property and, and kind of let them know what the level of expectation should be. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on, on repairs. If there's a large repair, we're going to call the owner. We're, we're not going to do this in a, in a bubble. We're not going to unilaterally go and spend the owner's $5,000. We're going to call and say, Hey, we've had a sewer backup. We need to take this one step at a time. Let's call out a plumber and see what's going on and then move from point A to point B and, and B to C. Um, if we have a problem tenant, before we get into that one, there there is a question from somebody watching. Um, sure. Alex would like to know what happens if during the time that a big repair is going on that the tenant can't stay in the house. Like, what do you do? Well, if if the tenant has um, renter's insurance, the renter's insurance should be able to take them and set them up in a hotel. Okay. Uh, to let them stay. Now, if they don't have renter's insurance, then they're going to call me and they're going to say, Hey, you know, it's mighty cold. Uh, I've got a young daughter. Uh, I, I don't want to stay in this house cause I can't use the heater cause of the sewer backup. And I'd like you to put me in a hotel and then I'm going to call the owner and I'm going to say, Hey, this is the situation. But if you, if you help your residents understand, Hey, you need renter's insurance because it helps in these situations. Mm -hmm. uh, the burden's not on the owner. It's on the, it's on the resident. Gotcha. Do you encourage all the residents to, to get, uh, renter's insurance? I certainly do. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Right on. Cool. That was a great question, Alex. Thank you. So moving on to, um, and along those lines too, we do do that, uh, mainline inspection when we're doing our acquisition. Awesome. Um, for that very reason, because those, most of those things, just like you said, they can be prevented. So if we're as thorough and you can't prevent everything, you know, like there's, there's going to be surprises every now and again, but there are some things that absolutely can be done really, really thorough inspections before we acquire a property. And as we're doing the work on it, you know, if something comes up in the rehab that we weren't expecting that could affect, you know, the tenant that's going to move in that maybe we weren't anticipating repairing from the get go, we're going to go ahead and take care of it to make sure that that's not a surprise for us or for one of our investors. Um, but now 
let's talk about problem tenants and or like when people get behind on rent, late on rent, how do we handle those things? Well, the very first property I took, the owner of the property said, hey, I'm hiring you to be a property manager because I'm out of town and my tenant pays late every month. So for the first six or seven months, every month I was riding out to their house, putting a, a, a pay or quit notice, you know, seven days, pay, pay your rent or quit the property. And so I did that every month for seven months. And so, you know, they would, they would pay and they would pay their late fee and we would rinse and repeat. And so as a property manager, you know, we hear it from both sides. We hear it from the owner. The owner just wants to get a paycheck and pay the, pay the note on the property. I understand that completely. That's yeah. my, my mentality. That's my thought process. You know, the tenant was, is going to give you a hard luck story about how they can't do this, can't do that. Um, and, and so we're trying to help herd them along. And so that tenant that went seven months, uh, the, their, their lease renewal period was coming up. And we send out notices 90 days before lease renewal. And for that okay. tenant, I sent them a notice saying, we are not going to invite you to re-sign your lease. Please make all preparations that you can make to find another place to live. Because we don't want to sit there and fool with people over and over again. Now, um, if people are continually late, uh, we try to give them every opportunity, but eventually, uh, if they can't pay their rent, then we are going to, number one, we're going to go out and, and see the property just to come by and say hello. We want to see how well they're maintaining the property, number one. Number two, uh, we may have to go to evictions. And we have some good attorneys here in Birmingham that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years and are very good at their craft. They're very good at what they do. So we hope it doesn't come to that. Um, but if it does, then then that's what we have to do. Gotcha. Um I, I agree with you that like eviction is, is the last resort. What things do you do? Like maybe before you get to that point, do you offer to let somebody just break their lease? Um, if you feel like that would be the path of lease resistance, um, do you have like a, a system that you kind of go through before you would get to that point? We try. I mean, I, I guess I've been lucky so far that I haven't had much other than that that family that, you know, paid late for seven months, every month. Uh, I haven't had to evict anybody, thank goodness. Um, but I do believe in cash for keys. Uh, if you want your security deposit back, give me the keys to the house and just move, move on out. Because here's the thing with evictions. Um, lawyers will tell you if you're trying to evict somebody, don't worry about your late rent until you get them out of the house. If you're trying to get your money and get them out of the house, that slows up the process. So typically from what I understand, the easy way is you have about six weeks um, and you can get somebody out just by talking with them and not going the legal process. If you go fully legal, it could be three or four or five months before you finally get the, the tenant out of the house. So to me, you know, Mr. Miss Tenant, if you just give me that security deposit back, I'll be glad to give you your keys, you know, and, and you can go on and we can go on and we can get that house re-rented. You know, typically we're three or four weeks, we've got something rented. Um, that's a better, a better alternative, I think, than going the fully legal route. 
Totally. I a hundred percent agree. That's like the very last thing that you, that you want to do in my experience too. Um, so we did, for example, have with all the craziness that has gone on in the, in the market, the last couple months, um, our rent collection was 88%. And we made arrangements with a couple people who had, um, gotten behind or gotten late and you were super helpful with all of that. Um, do you want to share a little bit about, you know, what that was like? Yeah. You know, we, we made a lot of phone calls to a lot of people because we were, we were worried. We, you know, we, you have tenants that are at different socioeconomic levels and, Mm -hmm. you know, you you just know some are are in more danger if the economy is going south of losing their job than others. And so we, we made a lot of phone calls and talked with a lot of people and, you know, fortunately knock on wood, most folks were like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be a little bit late, but I'm going to pay my rent. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep my rent up. So we just knock on wood. It was a really good story for us. We really didn't have, you know, that much trouble. Um, so I, I think we were lucky to be honest. I think you did a great job. Uh, you guys were really proactive and, um, we had conversations with our property managers and our other two markets that were really similar too. like, as soon as, stuff was starting to get weird. We, you know, we all came together kind of like, what are we, what are we going to do? Cause we certainly don't want to displace anybody that's in any kind of distress. Um, but we wanted to kind of get ahead of it and it worked out amazing. I have heard from a lot of other investors that, you know, outside of, of our bubble who their rent collection just went down the toilet during Mm -hmm. all the cuckoo craziness. Um, and ours, I mean, it really didn't 88% is, is pretty amazing. And the ones that were having trouble, they, they made arrangements to, to catch up, which is pretty spectacular. And I'm, you know, a lot of that is because of the partners that we have, like you, you know, helping us navigate all of that and maintaining really good relationships with our tenants. Um, Okay. Here's a, here's a question. Do you have any, and you may not, I just feel like putting you on the spot. Do you have any humorous stories uh, of your experience as a property manager since you've gotten into the business? I do have a humorous story and it it may be geographic. It may be what they call a geographical joke, but I was taking a, uh, I was taking a, a, a prospective resident through a house and you know an empty house that's rent ready you know it's clean it's neat there's nothing in there and um so we were walking around and i guess i guess um the the back door got left open and a cat from the neighborhood got in the house well we're sitting there walking around looking at the house you know looking at the walls and looking in closets and stuff like this and all of a sudden here's this cat that just comes running through the house and scared the the daylights out of me. I mean, I jumped, I was like, and I'm not, I'm not a person that jumps very often, but oh my goodness, it scared me. And so the tenant, it scared the tenant too. And, and once we were through being scared, we laughed a pretty good bit, but that was, uh, that's about the, the funniest thing that that's happened recently for me. Right on random critters in the house. Yeah. Okay. So 
when it comes to the end of the year, the accounting, um, how do you guys, how do you guys take care of that? Like, does the owner have to figure out what their income and expenses are? Do you prepare documents for them? Yes, we do that. We send out a monthly statement anyway. At the end of each month, uh, each owner gets a gets a income statement uh, for the property, and then at the end of the year, they'll get a combined uh, you know a combined yearly statement. We also send out you know 1099s for the investor. So we're hoping that you know there's a minimal paperwork that the the owner has to do for their property. That's, that's amazing. And we haven't yet talked about like what you, how much you cost. So you do a walkthrough of the property and let us know if there's anything that we need to fix. You find a tenant, secure the tenant, move them in, um, collect their rent, take care of all the repairs, handle issues that come up. You do the paperwork. And what does all of that cost the owner or the investor? We have two different programs. We have a, a 10.9% program mm -hmm. and we have a 7.9% program. And most of the time people are like, well, you know, what, what's the difference between those two? Why, why the two different things? So 10.9% is the percentage of the monthly rent. So if we were talking about a thousand dollar a month rental, then we're talking about $109. Uh, if we're talking about 7.9%, we're talking about $79. So there's your spread. What, what, what's the difference? Well, um, one of the things that real property management believes in pretty strongly, we believe in evaluating the properties and inspecting the properties because we want to assure the owner that everything is going well. So once we've got a tenant in there, say about six months into the, to the lease, we want to go out and take a look at the property. The 10.9% management plan has that included in the cost. Okay. Gotcha. So, okay. Okay. But I, I, I don't want to spend that much money. I want to go 7.9%. What's the, what's the fee for, for you to go out and inspect a property? It's $75 because typically to go to a property, it's 30 minutes away from wherever. Gotcha. So 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. Then you're going to be 30 minutes to an hour on the property looking, inspecting, you know, checking air filters, changing out air filters. We do that as part of that evaluation. We also change out uh, batteries on smoke detectors if they need to be changed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the inspection process. So with the 10.9, it's included. With the 7.9, you have to pay for that. Um, also on the 10.9%, once a tenant moves out, we rekey the property at our cost, at our expense. On the 7.9%, the property will, will be rekeyed, but it'll be on the owner to pay gotcha. for that. So those are the biggest differences. Okay. And then what do you charge for, uh, for placing the tenant, the leasing fee? The, in the Birmingham market, typically it's, it's one month's rent. We charge 75% of that first month's rent when we lease up a property because we're aggressive and we want to get more and more properties. We're trying to grow as quickly nice. as we can. We appreciate that. We like that. Uh, Cause we, the person, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but the person that we were using previously they did, they actually charged more and did a whole lot less. So we're super grateful. Um, what else would you like to share with everybody who's, who's watching or maybe listening later on the podcast about um, why, why should somebody have a property manager versus doing it themselves? A couple of things, uh, probably three things. Number one, as a professional property manager, I'm always looking at the market and what the rents are 
and we have tools where we can go and check, you know, what, what should a three bedroom, two bath house rent for in this area? What should a four bath, I mean, a four bedroom, three bath uh, property rent over here? What, what should it rent for? We have a lot of tools and we can get comps that, that civilians or non-property managers can't get. So we can make a better informed decision about what the market can bear uh, mm-hmm. for rent. And we can, a lot of times offset what we're charging you. I mean, we, you, you're not paying any more, but you're getting more rent if, if, with me doing it as opposed to the owner doing. Uh, also, I have a an array of subs from carpet people to plumbers to electricians to handymen to whatever cleaners that can do different jobs uh, at an owner's house. And I typically get better prices mm-hmm. than they can get because I do this every day. And you know, there's the odd uh, vendor that you have to sit there and say, ah, no, nah, I'm sorry, buddy, you're, you're, you're way out there on your pricing. you got to bring that down. Whereas, you know, a, a homeowner or a civilian, I'm using civilian kind of loosely here, but um, you're not looking at these prices every day. So you're not, you're not seeing what the market is uh, as opposed to what, what I see it as. So I can save you some money that way. There's one other thing that real property management does that, uh, I'm really excited about. We have a program called Wealth Optimizer, uh, and it is a computer program, and it is a program that we put our investors on. And typically, after we've had an investor with us for a year, um, we will bring that Wealth Optimizer program out. And what it does, a lot of times, people think, well, you know, I have this $100,000 property. I'm making $1,000 a month, you know, so I'm making a 12% return on my property. And that's part of the picture, but there's, there's other parts of the pictures as well. You have appreciation, you have depreciation, and you have debt retirement. So when you put all of those pieces together, your property, instead of making a 12% return, you may be at a 25 or a 30% return. Well, as an investor, if you can take some of your money and make a 30% return over here on your right versus on your left, you can make a 12% return, which would you rather do? I'd much rather pour all my money into the 30% return and leave the 12% return for somebody else. So we sure. help we help our investors make informed decisions. And my job, uh, I have a finance degree. Years ago, I was at Auburn University, and I got a finance degree. I like numbers. Uh, and so my job is to help people understand and navigate where's the best return for their money. Gotcha. Right on. And it's wealth cap properties, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. Nice plug. <laughs> yes. Okay. <clears throat> well, Bud, I just want to thank you so much for, for jumping on and uh, joining me today and sharing everything with the group. Um, I do see, let's see a question. How is the rent going to change on short, medium, or long term in the same neighborhood? So for first of all, Alex, I would not and this is me personally, but I'll let you weigh in what you think. But I personally would not, I would not want to rent one of my properties short, short term. I personally have only done year long leases on, on my houses. Um, unless it was like somebody was going to pay a lot more in rent for a shorter term. But I think what Alex wants to know in the same neighborhood, is the rent going to change if somebody does a short, medium, or long lease period? So 
Do you give a break if somebody is doing a super long lease on the rent rate? I might, but I, I try to tell them if they want a two or three year long lease that they're locking in their, their price because typically we're coming back every year looking at what market rents are and, you know, uh, a resident might have an increase in their rent. So by going two or three years, you may be able to lock it in for a longer period of time. I'm not a fan of short term leases. Um, you know, minimum is a year for me. Uh, and I'm almost, and this may sound counterintuitive and I'm sorry if it does, but once again, I like to get to know my tenants because there are some tenants that you're so tickled to have them in your house. You want to keep them a long, long time. Mm -hmm. um, and I have encountered tenants like that. I had a guy, I was calling to check on his previous landlord and the, the landlord almost got teary eyed on me that the guy was leaving. He's like, this is the best tenant I've ever had. He pays his rent on time. He, he maintains the property. He he's even fixed it up. He's a handyman himself. He's, he's fixed things on the property. He said, I really hate to lose him. And I said, well, sir, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not trying to take him away from you, but you know, he's applied for one of my properties. That sounds like I'm getting a good one. I want to keep him. Well, for that guy, when his one year lease comes up, I'm going to try to lock him in for two or three years because he's the exact kind of residence you'd want to have. On the other hand, let's say we have a tenant that I'm having to go out there every month for seven months and give them a pay or quit notice because they won't pay their rent on time. When that lease is up, I want those folks way on out of here. So the last thing I want to do is have to fool with those folks for two to three years. So that's kind of my philosophy on locking somebody up for a long term. I want to know they're a good tenant before I'm going out further than a year. Gotcha. Um, in general, how much would the rent increase from year to year? You know, now you could get in a hot market like Nashville. Uh, Birmingham's not that hot. Uh, I think of, you know, rent going up 25 to $50 a year uh, per house, um, roughly, depending on the price point. But that, that's what I think of. Gotcha. Um, yeah, Alex, I'm reading your question here on Facebook and I, I'm not hundred percent sure if we answered it or not. If we didn't, um, maybe I can jump on with you one-on-one -on -one or connect you with Bud if you'd like to talk to him. He's saying, um, if, oh, okay. How the rent will change short, medium or long-term based on the local economy, new businesses opening, closing, things like that. Do you notice like a lot of fluctuation in rent ranges when something is happening in the community? Or do you find that certain areas kind of, do they stick to the same rent range? You know, that's one of the beauties of real estate. Uh, rents kind of stay where they are and they gradually go up or they can gradually decline based upon the surrounding neighborhood that, that the property's in. Uh, I think Birmingham's really good because I think we've got a great story. I think with uh, limiting globalization, bringing manufacturers back to Birmingham and other surrounding areas, I think it's gonna help uh, bring employers and, and put a, a floor under uh, rents and help rents go up. I'm, I'm very bullish on where we're going uh, as a, as a city and most of the neighborhoods around Birmingham. We are too, which is why we're buying everything we can down there. That's right. Okay. Well, um, 
we did get Alex's question answered. So I want to thank you so much, Bud, for jumping on with me today. And um, if anybody has questions about property management that you would like to ask Bud directly, how could somebody get in touch with you? Uh, they're welcome to call me. My number is uh, 205-329-5725. I'll be glad to talk to you anytime. Well, thank you so much, Bud. Um, I look forward to chatting with you soon. And thanks so much for joining us on the on the podcast today. Thank you. Have a good day. I enjoyed it. Thank you. For you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.